Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Can't believe another year is gone. Uh, but at least it's been a better year from a market's perspective. If you've stayed invested in the JSE, you didn't panic in March, April last year, and you simply held your head high and um, uh, and stayed invested and added to investments as they fell out of bed, you'll be considerably better off today as a result of making that decision. Warren Ingram is a personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. And as we reach the end of the year, Maybe it's time for a little review, Warren. Um, how did your investments perform in 2021? Okay. I, I actually, um, I don't want to brag, but but I, but I think I had a cracking year, to be honest, and and uh, d- doing nothing clever, you know, just just sticking to all the things we've discussed uh, on the show over the last, uh, you know, two, three years, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, just looking at, I mean, it's no surprise to anybody. I'm, I've kind of said it for, for years now, you know, just buying the indexes is often the best thing to do. Uh, and, and doing that in, in the last year, um, you know, means that, you know, investments have gone up around 28%. Uh, you know, and, and any time you've got a, a portfolio that goes up 28%, uh, you know, you're having a great year. No, no matter what's going on emotionally and psychologically, you know, that, that's, that's what happened. Uh, and interesting, you know, the JSE has been underperforming for such a long time that we've kind of got used to, you know, sub-inflation returns. But but looking, you know, I did a bit of a, a kind of a research of the last two, three years just to see how the, how the JSE is performing over slightly longer periods of time. And and the JSE is delivered around, you know, 15% a year for the last three years. That's an important number because it's it's giving us growth before the, the the beginning of the of the pandemic during the pandemic and 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 now you know I'm not saying coming out of it we're still in it but but certainly out of the the recovery from the stock market point of view and and when investments go up at 15 percent a year if they can stick that out for five years it means you're doubling your money and and that's not something we've seen uh, if we look at the JSE it's not something we've seen for the last 10 years Bruce so so. Uh, the, the answer is, you know, investors should be smiling uh, if they've been, you know, quite focused on on the, on the local markets. Even the bond market that delivered around eight percent for for the last uh, year, and and the average balanced unit trust, you know, just the average, not the, not the great ones, just just delivering normal performance, have delivered a return of about nineteen percent. That's important because that's what uh, most retirement funds are invested in. So, me, like a lot of uh, a lot of South Africans with money in this country, who, who've st- stayed the course with their investments, are, are smiling. You know, we, we're exhausted, I'm sure, but certainly our investments have done okay. Okay, so when we look at our investment performance, and um, we shouldn't do this, but it is the natural thing to do, we'll go, hold on a second. So we made 15% a year over the last three years, which is considerably better than the three years before that, and we should be grateful for that performance. Had we, however, had all of our eggs in baskets elsewhere, and we had our money in the S&P 500, or in the NASDAQ, or in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, or in the FTSE 100, or in the CAC 40, or in the DAX, anyway, else but here in hard currency terms we would have done considerably better that, that that's true uh, but but we live here and we spend our money here and over the last year for example where, where the average south african balanced fund has delivered a return of 19 percent uh, the, the average balanced fund 
uh, in dollars you, um, when you price it back into rands. You know, so so that's important because that's what we're spending in. That, you know, that's delivered a return of thirteen percent a year, um, and and so I think the the story might be changing somewhat. You know, I think the the, the people that have kind of been beating the offshore drum, and I'm, I don't want to for a second say we shouldn't have money overseas. We definitely should, but just that that it's actually not such a one sided story anymore. You know, even you know using your example of of, of equities just being in in shares. That, you know, in rands, that in, in that that's giving you a return of about nineteen percent for the for the last year. Uh, yes, over the last three years, if we want to be consistent, it's been about nineteen percent a year as well. So, so that story of you know send everything out and 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 it'll be great and that'll be brilliant uh, hasn't actually worked out for people certainly over the last year or year and a half and and may not work out like that for for the next while. I mean, emerging markets, to give you a context, you know, have done a pretty lousy or have delivered lousy returns. I nearly said something rude there, but but bad <laughs> returns for for investors for for the last year. But but that's certainly not going to continue. I think that's the point here. Is uh, you know, we we shouldn't have this recency bias in our thinking where we say, well, whatever happened over the last you know three or four or five years, that's what's going to happen for for the next three, four, five years because. What we do know is eventually the wheel turns to, to use all the, the tired cliches we can find at the moment. So, so I, I think uh, you're right, Bruce. Uh, you know, someone that's been in, in, in global funds for the last decade, they've done incredibly well over the last year or two. Not so well, in, in fact. And and actually, you know, uh, having a local focus in your investments has been a, a good thing. Again, uh, you're not, not saying that you should be you know binary in everything that you do one way or the other. You know you should have a spread, and and certainly this year would have been a great year to be properly spread in in, in SA and global. Uh, and then we can't look at just one side of the balance sheet. We can't look at just the fun stuff. We can't just look at the winners because um, invariably you, you 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 invest and you're doing very well on that particular front, but you're spending more than you're earning and you're borrowing lots of money to fund your lifestyle um, and you're building up a debt problem. And so many South Africans live in debt and we look at people and the cars that people drive and uh, the amount of tax that is declared in the economy and you go, hold on a second, there's a disconnect here somewhere. Um, and you've got to say to yourself, hold on a second, just how well off our households really. Yes, we've had a good year in terms of stock market returns, but are South Africans taking advantage of lower interest rates to pay down their debts, or have they taken advantage of low interest rates to get themselves deeper into debt doo-doo? It's actually such a fascinating mix of of behavior at the moment, because I think uh, if we look at things like house prices, certainly, you know, the, we, we're not seeing house prices continue to fall. In, in, in fact, you know, that, that trend has turned. House prices are starting to rise. Uh, so, so that tells me one thing that, you know, South Africans are using the lower interest rates as an opportunity to buy property. Uh, and yes, they're doing it with debt and that, you know, that that's never great. But, you know, if they're incurring debt to buy an asset which might, you know, retain its value with inflation or, or, or grow faster than inflation. That, that's not bad behavior, but but certainly we we all know, you know, that, that South Africans love debt. We're addicted to it, unfortunately, and and we don't necessarily act in our own best interest, which is to pay down the bad debts. And and so the bad debt issue, and I, I don't think is is a good story at all. I think you know we, we still have this problem with with debt. And and certainly that would be my suggestion to to everybody for for the year ahead is you know there there are lots of swear words in the financial world and one of them is inflation and unfortunately uh, inflation is a monster that's starting to rear its head in South Africa and globally you know we we see we see the American uh, you know Fed uh, you know their, their central bank 
starting to panic now about inflation. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying it's about time. They should have been panicking a long time ago. And we see that the, the British Central Bank doing the same and starting to raise interest rates. So, so you know, our own um, central banks already raised rates once. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more interest rate hikes all around the world. Um, so what that means is if you're sitting on debt, you need to know that your debt is going to get more and more expensive. So while rates are low, and they are low, we, we need to be realistic about that. We, we need to use as, as much of this time as possible to, to settle those debts as fast as we possibly can. And you know, if, you've, if you end up with just a mortgage on your, on your house and you've got no other bad debts, uh, you, you know, like things like store cards, credit cards, personal loans, great. Then try and pay off your mortgage a bit faster, but but certainly we're not good, uh, unfortunately, at doing that. You know, and I think if um, I, you know, I spent a bit of time on our roads, driving back from the Karoo uh, over the last couple of days, and just watching the many hundreds of cars on the National Road One, uh, you know, to, to the Cape, uh, there were big cars, Bruce. There were lots of big four by fours, big SUVs, and I can't believe people paid for all of those with cash. So so yes, I think uh, we we're still spending too much on things that lose value. But, uh, but, but that doesn't mean we can't make a change. And that's the big change for the year ahead, I think, is, you know, we, we, we're living with this pandemic. Uh, I think that's what's, what we're kind of getting as messaging from our government is we need to start living with it. You know, we can't lock down forever. Uh, and that means volatility is going to stay. That means, you know, we, uncertainty is going to be with us for a long time. And the only way you can protect yourself against that is make sure that you're in control of your financial destiny. And that means you can't have debt on store cards and credit cards and personal loans and all of that. So if you're on holiday and you're spending freely, then just think about that because actually, you know, you need to exert control over, over your money rather than some bank deciding to exert control over your money when you potentially lose your job, you know, you don't, or, or gone, you know, some kind of a furlough where you, where you just don't earn what you used to. Those are, that's our reality for the year ahead is we need to be really cautious, really, you know, prudent in our behavior. I don't want to be a doomsday prepper. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not forecasting the end of the world, but I think the first six months of next year are still going to be very tough. And then nobody wants to do admin at this time of year. In fact, it's the last thing you want to be doing at this time of the year, but there's probably no better time to be doing it. The really, really boring stuff of just checking out your personal circumstances. If you had a baby this year, you need to be thinking differently about the future. If you got divorced this year or in the process of getting a divorce, next year is going to be very different to the, the last couple of years. Um, you know, wills have to be updated uh, every now and again, probably checked out at least once a year to make sure that nobody's annoyed you. Um, or, <laughs> or, you know, you've decided to give your money to the cat's home or whatever the case might be. It's about really doing those really boring personal circumstance reviews. Yeah, one of the horrible um, side effects of, of this pandemic has been uh, certainly, you know, death rates, uh, you know, rising everywhere. And, and so, you know, lots of us have lost uh, loved ones and, and, you know, close friends and, and family. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, that, that should be a wake-up call for all of us to say, you know, that, uh, you know, death is just, just literally around the corner very often. And, and so, you know, make sure that your will is up to date. You know, don't think about uh, postponing it and worrying about it in, you know, months' time because, you know, months away, it could literally be too late. And, and so I think that's a big issue for me that people, we, we just need to know that death rates just really are higher. That's a fact of life. It doesn't matter that they might be, you know, reduced with, with you know, more milder versions of the, 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 the COVID. Um, that doesn't matter. It means death rates are high. 
Um, and and so getting you know getting our well sorted out is is a big issue. The other unfortunate side effect of of the pandemic have, has been you know lots of lots of husbands and wives have been forced to be in close confinement for you know long extended periods of time, uh, and and unfortunately that's led to to divorce rates being being higher. I think you know anecdotally divorce rates are significantly higher than than before. So uh, you know all of those kinds of events, and obviously the last side effect is has been I think I'm not again anecdotally an increase in in the number of babies being born. All of those are big life events. They all have huge impact on on uh, your, your financial circumstances. So 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 reviewing those and not just reacting to them and, and saying well you know if 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 I've got divorced definitely need to change my will, probably need to adjust my lifestyle dramatically. You know, that's an important thing to do. If you've had a baby, congratulations, start saving. Uh, you know, <laughs> education costs are coming. Too late. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and, and start thinking, uh, you know, just re- reprioritize expenses. And, and also just be careful that you don't, uh, you know, lose focus on, on your own retirement planning while, while you're looking after your your new dependent because you know you, you need to do both. You know, I always use that analogy of, you know, the the air hostesses when we all used to fly would say, you know, in, in the event of emergency, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help the person next door to you. That that's the point financially is you know if people are in distress around you or they're dependent on you financially, you know, do, do your best to help them, but make sure that you don't do that at your own cost because that means. Uh, that that you won't be in a position to help anybody in a few months or years time. So you have to make sure that you you're financially in a position to look after everybody else as well. But you have to start by looking after yourself first. Uh, and, and so to me, those are you know those are big things that we we've, we've kind of lost focus on. I think you know there's been so much understandably that's drawn our attention away from the mundane. As you say, it's kind of boring uh, you know admin. But but unfortunately. You know, when big things happen, the, the mundane admin stuff is what saves us often from from real kind of you know years of hardship and devastation. So, so I think you're right. You know, now's the time. If you're stuck at home uh, because you can't travel because you know you've been locked down or or you know you you need to be careful. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word. Here. You're in isolation. Then, then use the time. You know, stop complaining. There's nothing you can do, but you can do the admin for for your financial life for the year ahead. Utilize the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, A question from Brett, who says, Warren and team, I'm 33 years old. I'm planning to move abroad in the next 18 to 24 months. I've got investment accounts, tax-free savings investment, and an RA. I'd like to stop my RA contributions and allocate this money to other investments that I will be able to access when I move. Is this a good idea? If it is, what type of investment should I be considering for the next 18 months? Because I plan to use the money to fund some reload location costs. Let's talk about that one in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram is a financial advisor. He is an executive director at Galileo Capital. Brett is is planning to move elsewhere in the next 24 months. He's got uh, some investment accounts, a tax-free investment account, a retirement annuity, wants to stop RA contributions and allocate this money to other investments so that he'll be able to access that money when he moves. Is it a good idea? What should he be looking at? Warren. Yeah, definitely shouldn't move. He should stay in the land of you know milk and honey and 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 uh, take advantage of all the opportunities here. But, but I guess that wasn't his question. Yeah. Uh, so so I think uh, when you're looking at a situation like this, there are, there are a couple of things to consider. One is timelines. So so when you're investing money for a, a specific goal where you know you're going to have to spend that money in a short period of time, 
and 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 I, I consider you know the next one and a half to two years to be a short period of time, th then you have to eliminate all stock market risk. You have to eliminate the possibility that you know you invest your money. Uh, and then when you need it in, you know, one or two years time, the, the stock market happens to be going through a dip uh, and you, you then have to sell that investment at a loss and potentially not able to cover the costs that you need to cover. So my view is anything, up, you know, from, from let's say one, you know, one week to three years, if you've got a, a specific uh, cost goal or expense in mind, th then the only thing you can do is try and earn as much interest as you possibly can. In other words, put it on a fixed deposit, um, if you if you if you know that your goal is in a, for a very specific time period, or you know put it into a money market account or, or some kind of a thirty day notice account, uh, or potentially a money market unit trust, any of those that that uh, you know that you know are going to be very low risk from a from a market risk point of view, but but will give you some kind of rate of return. Unfortunately, over the last year, you know uh, in, interest rates have delivered a return of about three and a half percent for the average investor. So unfortunately, Brett, I'm not saying this is going to be the best growth that you're going to get out of your money. But but certainly when you need to lock in a, you know, a specific amount for a specific period of time like this, then then the best thing you can do is, is just get the best rate of interest that you can. Uh, the, the, the option of, of stopping your RA contributions for this time, I think that's a good call. Just be really careful that uh, you, you don't end up paying a big penalty. So if you've got an old-fashioned RA through an insurance company, where you know you've signed up for you know to age 55 and and uh, you know you paid up a, a lot of the commissions up front, there is, there is a chance that they're going to penalise you for making that policy paid up, which is the jargon that they use for for stopping your contributions. So before you do anything like that, just get a quote from them to ask them what the paid up value would be, uh, and that will give you an idea of what that penalty is. Because if the penalty is huge then you might want to continue paying uh, and, and looking at other options, you know, to, to kind of find the, those, those expense costs that you need to fund. Uh, I certainly would keep paying money into my tax-free saving if I were you, because I think that's a, you know, that's money that you can always access. But, but yes, you know, maybe not a bad call to, to pause the re retirement fund contributions, especially if you're planning on coming back. You know, if you're, if you're planning to move abroad, you don't really say in your, in your question, but if you're planning to move abroad for a period of time and then come back again, then, then pausing an RA contribution and then you know restarting it when you come back makes sense, uh, but but for the short term you know the, the other things that you should be doing I think building up as much cash as possible, earning as much interest as possible, and then fund those costs with cash rather than with with debt. What about cashing in the RA? Um, I, we again we don't know how big the RA is. Uh, Brett is fairly young, thirty three years old. We can assume that Brett's been working. For 10 years, um, yes, put away, I'm sure, a nice amount of money. Markets have helped. Um, but what about cashing in the retirement annuity? Is that ever a good idea? Uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, I, ever ever is a huge word, uh, but... but I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't see many instances for, for me where, where that makes sense, you know, but, uh, I mean, I know that there are a whole lot of restrictions anyway with, with retirement annuities compared to, let's say, your, your company provident fund, where, where you, would, you would be able to access the money. But uh, your, your RA, you know, being, being able to access the money, if you're immigrating, you, you would need to, um, you know, the, the laws are kind of actually all up in the air at the moment. And I know they've been paused in terms of some of the big changes that they want to make uh, in the Treasury to, to these laws. But uh, one of the things they're considering is, putting in a three-year kind of a period that says, you know, once you've left, you can't touch the RA for the first three years um, of your immigration, and then then you'll be able to access the money. So, so the, the answer is that practically, I don't think you, you can um, 
access the money until until age 55. But if you do have a provident fund, um, and, and that's something you certainly can access, I, I would still not do that. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think that the, the tax penalties are enormous. Um, and to lose, let's, you know, potentially say 45% of your money just in, in, in the taxes that you would pay, it's very hard to recover that uh, with any kind of okay. other investment. Uh, so so, so I, don't, I don't think it's a great idea, Bruce. All right. Final thing, uh, a little phrase for you. What is longevity risk? Well, well this is a, um, I'll give you a real example. So, so when, when I started using, uh, you know, these complex financial tools uh, to, to do financial planning for, for people uh, around, you know, uh, 25, yeah, nearly 25 years ago, we would, uh, we, we would plan to, for, for someone to live to around about age 85 at a real stretch, you know, age 90. Uh, and then about 15 years ago, we started planning that people live to age 100. And, and I remember lots of the people in their 50s sort of laughing at me, you know, saying that, you know, you're crazy, I'll never live to, to age 100. And, and now, uh, you know, the, the actuarial tables are telling us that certainly for South African women, we, we should be planning that they live to age 104. Um, and, and that's longevity risk in a nutshell. It means that, uh, you know, we are generally as a, as, a, as a global population living much longer than, than we all thought. Uh, and, and that's great on the one side because we, we have more life, but, but on the other side, uh, it, it means that you know, if, you're, if you're living, let's say, 10 years longer than you actually plan to live uh, from a monetary point of view, you know, that, that, that really changes your whole style of retirement. You know, it means potentially that you end up with no money and 10 years of life left to live. And, and that's a terrifying a place to be when, when you are not able to work anymore. So, so longevity risk is, is a real thing and, and certainly don't, you know, don't poo-poo it when you, when you come across it uh, gotcha. in, in your own financial planning calculations. Something you need to say is it's realistic that if you are 25 or 30 years old now, the likelihood is you could, live, you could be one of the people living to age 110 and, and rather plan for that and, and you know, die a bit sooner with a bit of money in the bank than the other way around. So longevity risk is is outliving your money. Thank you very much indeed. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. He's a personal financial advisor and an executive director at Galileo Capital.